this really shocked me because it was the more conservative Mormons, the ones who would be considered more extremist, who thought that we were more similar to Mormonism in our beliefs. And it was the less conservative Mormons who thought that our beliefs were more distant from Mormons. If you look across the Mormon tradition, when I started like talking to more Mormons and more conservative Mormons about the way they think like the metaphysics of the universe actually works, right. there is more diversity within Mormon beliefs yeah. than there is within any other religion that I'm aware of. Like, but what's, like, what's extra interesting is there's both that diversity, but also this like quiet, like we don't talk about this diversity. Yeah, we don't talk about this. We don't talk well, about it. So, so let's, let's talk about one here, right? Like multiple mortal prohibitions, right? Okay. This was fascinating to me because it has shown that I fundamentally misunderstood Mormonism in our previous videos on Mormonism. Would you like to know more? Well, this is very exciting. I get to use my new fancy speaker. Although, new... like, because it's, because it's metal, like it right now, I feel like I'm holding a frozen rod of ice right now. It is so it, cold. Is this your new camera? Yeah. Okay, well, I am really excited for this episode. And I am always so disappointed when there's an episode that, like, I absolutely love. But, uh, like, we don't get a bunch of watches on it or something. It's no like, one's going to watch this. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you, in terms of watching something that I thought I didn't want to watch, I watched all of Saturday Warriors, per your request. And it was cheesy. And it was, but, oh, my gosh, I cried. I cried. I cried. I so people who aren't familiar with Saturday Warriors, it was recommended to us because we've been talking a lot with a Mormon fan of the show to try to understand the religion better. And he suggested that we check out this movie. Mm -hmm. And it is really interesting because he said that like it, it gives a good example of why a lot of Mormons had a lot of kids. So you can see yeah. it from their perspective. And throughout the entire movie, you're having your heartstrings pulled by this little girl who's stuck in heaven because her parents haven't had a kid yet and <laughs> they, they haven't had all their kids they haven't had the seventh kid that they were no eighth, eighth kid eighth, eighth kid. kid emily what's wrong i'm the last kid to be born what if by that time mom and dad don't want me no way but i've seen lots of families make promises and then break them not us emily i will see to it personally that you're not forgotten you promised jimmy promise yeah, and then the other, another one of their kids, the, the bad guys in this, you want to talk about getting us on board with you? The bad guys in this were called Population Zero, and they were a rock band that had seduced one of the sons into thinking abortion was cool and population reduction was cool. Look at this. Alex says that population growth will lead to famine. And in this decade, hundreds of millions of people will starve to death. So what's the solution? Forced population control? Well, people will need to be coerced, but it's for a good cause. I mean, it's the only answer, unless you don't like eating. I think that's a little extreme. Come on. Well, this is serious. People need to stop having so many kids. No offense. Uh, Jimmy, how come your parents can't keep their hands off each other? You want to find out? <laughs> the Earth is sick. And we are the cancer. Every day the babies are destroying the world. <laughs> Eating all our applesauce. What can we do? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Far out, man. Play that again. Just messing around, man. No, Jimmy. 
for real this time and keep that melody. Every day the world is getting smaller by far Bursting at the seams, what can we do? Zero population is the answer, my friend Without it, the rest of us are doomed literally uh, antinatalist rock band hilarious right can you get more but this whole line of conversation started for us with a really interesting moment for me so i was on stage um and i have talked with the transhumanist mormons before you know like the weird like technophilic mormons which i think a lot of mormons would consider kind of different from mainstream mormons and and the fact that our ideology and our belief system really aligns closely with theirs. That did not surprise me at all. You know, right. Here's what shocked me. So we're on the stage. It's Kevin Dolan. Kevin Dolan is of the conservative faction of Mormons so much so that he's often when people talk about like the desert nationalists, that's who they're talking about. The Mormon separatists. However, Mormon extremists disregarded federal warnings and established Port Joe Smith deep inside the arachnid quarantine zone. Too late, they realized that Dantana had already been chosen by other colonists, arachnids. Would you like to know more? So that's the faction. And we were on stage and he, and he just came out because I thought that he would see our religious beliefs, our synthetic religious beliefs, where we say, okay, broadly in, a, in years from now, if our still alive, they're probably going to be closer to gods than humans and that this or the way we would think of a God than a human and that they wouldn't relate to time the way we relate to time. And so right. it's sort of like a self-manifesting entity that is influencing us today. So he saw this, he actually related it to interstellar. He said, your beliefs are basically interstellar, right? And I, I don't know. I haven't seen it recently, but I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And he's like, that is just Mormon. Like, he's like, you guys are basically just Mormons. And that surprised me <laughs> because that did not align what what I understood a conservative Mormon would think. Right. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. And so then I started talking to some other Mormons who were at the conference about Mormonism. And they're like, yeah, you guys are just Mormons or your, your beliefs are very similar to Mormon beliefs. And this really shocked me because it was the more conservative Mormons, the ones who would be considered more extremist, who thought that we were more similar to Mormonism in our beliefs, or exactly. as they would say it, you know, the Church of Latter-day Saints. Right. And it was the less conservative Mormons who thought that our beliefs were more distant from Mormons. Isn't that wild? Well, it's not wild when you dig into it. Yes, right. And this was fascinating to me because it has shown that I fundamentally misunderstood Mormonism in our previous videos on Mormonism and right. even our previous writings on Mormonism because I fundamentally, one, misunderstood, well, well, the biggest thing is I misunderstood how they determine what they think is true. And there's a very interesting thing that Mormons do that no other faith in the world I'm aware of because, like, we have studied a lot of faiths and none of the other ones do this. Hmm. Which is, if I go to one Mormon and I say, hey, I've heard a lot of Mormons believe 
X or like church fathers believe X and have talked about X frequently. So like two examples here might be like eternal progression or like multiple mortal prohibitions. These are two things we'll both talk about on this podcast. It is not infrequent if they do not believe in multiple mortal prohibitions or eternal progression. They'll just say, nope, no large group of Mormons has ever believed this. None of the founding Mormons ever believed this. None of the church fathers ever believed this. And then if you point to them, like text, like, no, like, this is in, like, stuff that was put out by, by major church fathers, they'll then say, okay, maybe some Mormons do believe this, but they are influenced by the devil. <laughs> what, really? Is, influenced by the devil? Yeah, this is regularly what you see. And this is, is fascinating to me because, like, Protestants, for example, I'm, I'm, I, you know, if you're talking about like pre-millennialist or post-millennialist Protestants, so people who don't know what I'm talking about here, in the conservative Protestant community, one of the biggest debates is does Jesus, like, like does the rapture happen before the tribulation or does the rapture happen after the tribulation? Do right. like, like uh, devout Christians actually have to go through this period of tribulation or will they be raptured beforehand? And then the, the period of tribulation is meant to help people, you know, anyway nuanced discussion, but none of them are going to say, no, there's not some other group that has this other view. And if there is, they're, they're being manipulated by the devil. They're right. like, no, we have a serious difference in faith and we study this. And, and these are the arguments for my faith. You know, there's mm -hmm. people out there who are mistaken, but you know, they're not like demons. Well, and, and, and the, the reason why, so this has really confused me about Mormonism because whenever I tried to study Mormonism in the past, if I was going to get like a broad view of Mormonism, I actually would always get the best broad views from people who had left the church. Mm, yeah. Um, well, and, often those are the people who are talking about it. Well, yeah. So, and I, and I should point out, I'm not saying that Mormons never disagree about this stuff, but if you want to see like the actual disagreements that Mormons are having, go to the comment section on Mormon blogs. <laughs> Don't go to the articles themselves. And this then came to why would the conservatives be more accepting of our beliefs than the non-conservatives? Why would they think that our beliefs are closer to Mormon beliefs? And this is because the more sophisticated Mormon theology, the more interesting Mormon theology, from my perspective, and and frankly, the, the sort of wackier, wackier in that it's, it, it is less in a line with just generic theology, actually typically the older Mormon theology, mm. or the Mormon theology you would know if you dug really deep into Mormon history. Well, um, I mean, what I thought was really interesting about one way that it was explained to us is that like from like most really unique LDS theological concepts, you need to have an IQ of at least 130. And most, like most Mormons don't, they don't really care. They're not really involved in it. And it's really about the lifestyle and even a lot of leadership, just like theology is not like the primary thing of action here. It's, it's other. Yeah, so I'll actually read a quote from one of the early church fathers, which I found very interesting and, and, and quite prophetic of our own belief system, mm. Orson Pratt, this is the guy who was born in 1811, wrote this, right? And and so when I first went to them, I was like, yeah, but you know, we believe that like intergenerationally, like we don't believe that everyone's gonna inherit their own planet one day or something like that. And they're like, oh no, 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 that's not actually. So they, they pointed me to this Orson Pratt quote, but not everyone's gonna inherit their own planet one day. Some people will as humans, like similar to humans as we are today, 
will be elevated to a state of godhood. And they're like, some Mormons believe that, some Mormons believe other things. You should look at what the actual, you know, quotes from these early church fathers. So I want to read this quote by Orson Pratt. This is on, whenever he uses the word intelligence, he's talking about the soul. And so he sort of has this hypothesis that maybe the soul exists as individual soul particles, hmm. which when people die can break apart and, and reform. So like we may have some soul particles in us that previously came from like plants or something like that. Huh. So we'd say, we can suppose that these particles possessed of the power to move themselves would not have exerted that power during the endless duration preceding their organization. If they were once organized in the vegetable kingdom and then disorganized by becoming the food of celestial animals and then again reorganized in the form of spirits of animals, which is a higher sphere of being, then is it unreasonable to suppose that the seen particles have from eternity been passing through an endless chain of unions and disunions, organizations and disorganizations, until at length they are permitted to enter into the highest and most exalted sphere of organization in the image of God. So that's really fascinating. And, and here's a quote from Brigham Young. When the elements in an organized form do not fill the end of their creation, they are thrown back again, like Brother Kimball's old pottery ware, to be ground up and made again. So you hear these two, and these purport an idea of, of sort of human souls going through a cycle in which they eventually become godlike souls through this sort of forging and reforging process, mm -hmm. which is actually really, really similar to our belief if you made it entirely materialistic. Isn't that so something? Belief, the idea that like our kids are a part of us and a chance to improve on us, you know, intergenerationally and that they have, you know, what we would think of as the soul, which is the collection of ideas and genetics that make us up. They have aspects of that, but reforged to improve. And that eventually the thing will become a, a, a deity. Very, 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 very similar beliefs. But these mm. are early church beliefs. And so early Mormons, like Mormons who are of the most conservative faction, would align more with these earlier beliefs than the more modern church beliefs. And so the question would be, why did the church change its beliefs? And this comes to a really unique thing about Mormonism I didn't fully grasp. Hmm. So it is that Mormonism, unlike any religious tradition in the entire world, the current prophet, the current head of the religion, has more say than their original book or the founder of the religion. That is, the, the, the current prophet can override Joseph Smith, can just say, Joseph Smith was wrong when he said that. No other religion. You, as a Muslim, would say, like, Muhammad was misunderstood, <laughs> or this was misquoted, or this right. was, or you would say this about Jesus. You know, you wouldn't say, the Pope cannot override Jesus. Like, that would be considered insane. Yeah. It actually gets even wilder than that. There are instances I have found where current prophets, like Elder Fielding in Answers to Gospel Questions, Volume 5, will claim that Joseph Smith said things that he definitely doesn't seem to have ever said, or at least was never recorded in anything I can find. For example, that's where the quote 
that goes something along the lines of the prophet Joseph Smith says that reincarnation is a doctrine of the devil. And have you not read that the devil would deceive the elect? Where when I tried to look through textual evidence, I cannot find Joseph Smith saying anywhere that he thought reincarnation was a tool of the devil. And in fact, I can find many sources that seem to indicate and many of his contemporaries seem to indicate that he did believe in some form of reincarnation. Though Joseph Smith did say that the doctrine of transmigration of souls or souls passing directly to your children was false. So imagine if you had something like the Pope saying, Jesus said that this is of the devil. And you're just like, or, or, or a current, you know, imam saying, Muhammad said this is, this is a doctrine of the devil. And yet there is no evidence for that. This would be incredibly confusing to an outsider trying to learn about the religion and what the boundaries of the belief system actually are. And, and, and it leads to a religion. I had talked about Mormon being an accelerationist religion in the past, mm -hmm. but I undersold how accelerationist it is. Well, and I think you didn't even know the extent, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it, it made it really hard for me because I'm trying to go out there and understand what do Mormons actually believe. And I was continually thwarted because I was thinking about it like a Protestant or a Catholic or a Jew. You're thinking about it like a Protestant, like just my typical, okay, I'm looking at their books. What did their books actually say? What did the founding fathers, what do the most important people in the movement actually say? Mm. And they'll just like dismiss this stuff. Like this, this famous speech by Joseph Smith, I'll uh, put a thing here where he basically lays out the idea that, oh yeah, humans will eventually become gods. Some modern Mormons just throw this out. <laughs> and so why do they just throw this out? Like, and, and that God started like a human today, right? And you can look at, here are some quotes that AI generated when I was having it, like asking it about Mormon concepts. What? Um, where it, it said, God was once as humans are now, but eternally God. That is exactly what we believe about God. He was once as humans are now because he was once us, like literally us. Yeah, right. But he also was eternally God because that's the way we think time works. A being like God and Christ means unity of purpose, not abilities. So being like God and Christ means unity of purpose, not abilities. And you would say, yes, exactly. That's what this intergenerational improvement means. Or you could look at something like their belief in pre-life, basically, right? Like in this movie, it started with all of them sort of in heaven, living their pre-lives, having their pre-families. Hi, I'm Todd Richards. I know. We're in love. <laughs> and um, so we were wondering if it's possible, yes. if you could put us down in the same town. Right. Or the same street. At least at the same time, if possible. How about the same family? Yes. That'd be great, yeah. No, oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. We believe something very similar, but it's due to how we see time. Because we see all time is happening at once, we believe that all of our kids, our friends, do know each other and are waiting to come into existence, but in the future. Right, so to be, to clarify, in the movie Saturday Warriors, it begins with everyone in heaven and they already know each other and they know that they're going to be family and they're like, oh, I can't wait. This is going to be so great. What kind of dance should I do first for mom and dad? Something classical or cha-cha? From what I've heard, it's going to take a while to even learn how to walk. So maybe just the twist then? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like, we don't think there's some antechamber before. It's just that everything that has happened 
and will happen is happening and it's sort of all at once. And it's already happened. Yes. And I do deny, like my little daughter, when I interact with my little daughter in 10 years and it's kid number 12 that everyone told us not to have, it is that little girl who's being denied life by us choosing not to have a kid. It is a life that we would have robbed. Right. Just as much as Mormons think that you have robbed a person of their life. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I want to say, which I think is really interesting, is when I look at these Mormon videos, they're very similar to how if we were trying to explain our belief systems to a child or somebody who is living in like the early 1800s, we would have explained our belief system, which makes it feel very contiguous with Mormonism. In fact, one part of our holiday, future day, that we haven't really talked much publicly about, and we've been solidifying, actually, after after seeing this movie, how it would play out, is the Day of Martyrs, which comes before Future Day, which is dedicated to readings of the martyrdom of man, one of the books that we see, like we would see Joseph Smith, as being divinely inspired by the same entity which we believe inspired us, in which every member of the family, both the kids and us, explain to past iterations of their parents, so that would be our parents in our case, why they should have us and why it is a good thing that we would come to exist and what we plan to do with that existence. While also thinking our ancestors, not just, you know, our biological ancestors, but the ancestors of humanity in general for the hardships that they underwent to give us our current technological and material bounty as the martyrdom of man states even in the 1800s that your average english person back then lived a better life than your anglo-saxon king and you know from our perspective today your average american probably lived a better life than the queen of england when that book was written and this is through the intergenerational martyrdom of our ancestors and ourselves to make things better for the next generation and it is a, a this is where they sort of take up the mantle of that responsibility this cycle of continual improvement while also hopefully instilling an amount of gratitude for how good they have it vis-a-vis what the daily life of most humans used to be like hundreds of years ago. This is meant to instill in our kids that they exist for a reason and that being alive is a privilege, and it's a privilege that comes with duties and responsibilities to justify your own existence. I should note here, though it's less relevant for this particular conversation, that the Day of Martyrs is also dedicated to reading from Fox's Book of Martyrs, not just the Martyrdom of Man. These readings are meant to remind kids and, and our family more broadly what our duty is in face of tyranny or those who would claim to have mental authority over our belief systems, while also reminding them to never become that person themselves, never become the person who is telling somebody else what they have to believe is true and not true. Because the highest level of freedom an individual has is the freedom to choose what they believe. And that freedom must both be protected, but also imparts on individuals the duty to think carefully about those things and decide with prudence 
how you think things actually work without allowing other people to tell you what to believe. Now, obviously, we haven't talked about this publicly yet because it's one of the belief systems that's probably going to get us most shamed by antinatalists, but it is very, very similar to these scenes in Saturday Warriors. I love how a lot of our more publicly facing documents are more just like philosophy and stuff like that, but we get into actual like religious insanity if you are actually a regular listener to the podcast. So I swear when like antinatalists are prepping for a debate with us or something, this is what they must be imagining. As far as I'm concerned, this Saturday night, there's not even going to be a fight. I will torture his body so that his soul learns to be humble. I'm gonna knock him out round one, bitch. God chose me for this fight. God is the teacher. Derek is the student. Wait, what did he say again? He said God chose him. God's lessons are so beautiful. God's lessons are beautiful? I'm sorry, who put this fight together? This is just, well, how I do, if y'all got an actual crazy person, to me, for me to fight? Well, that's not fair to me. Or him. I'm sorry, is this crazy? Now, this gets really interesting, and it's sort of, I think, the core failure of Mormonism, modern Mormonism, is that a lot of Mormonism recently and Mormon trends and, like, why they pretend or, or move towards not having these beliefs is a drive to be seen as quote-unquote normal Christians mm. or just another branch of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And in that quest, they have abandoned many of the spiky and more unique parts of their history and theology, which were honestly the more sophisticated and compelling parts to me now that yeah, I- Yeah, the, the cooler into. stuff, right? But right. I also think that that's the case with most religions that like if you actually dive deep into the dogma and you really, really get into it and get technical, it does get weird. No, no. Protestants, you don't think so? US, evangelicals, they've gone so much. They, 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 no, I'm referring to like Catholicism, Judaism, Islam. Like I'm going into like I'm not I'm not talking about religions no, 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 that are in the middle of going soft. When those religions become softer, when they abandon the weirder parts of themselves, they're typically doing it in an effort to conform with the urban monoculture. Mm -hmm. but really right, and that's my point. When I'm when I'm talking about when you get to the core of a religion and it gets weird, I'm referring to hard religions. Right. The, I guess you're right to an extent, but what's really interesting is that Mormonism hasn't attempted to conform to the urban monoculture as mm. much. Like there's mm. a faction that's doing that, but mm. where they have lost most of their traditions is in trying to conform to conservative iterations of other Christian denominations, where they have become, tried to become more like just another type of evangelical Protestant. Mm. When they are nothing like, and this, and, and so the question is, is why are they doing this? And this is when I look at Mormonism as an outsider and, and I look at the collapsing fertility rates within Mormonism, I actually think that this is a problem of the genetic vortex. So we talked about how religions and genetics can reinforce each other, where people with specific genetic predilections can convert to a religion disproportionately, which can lead to those sociological profiles being higher within that religion. I think right. historically, Mormonism really selected for, and, and, and culturally and genetically. So I think there's two things going on here. Uh, an extreme amount of uh, social anxiety and and desire to engage in social status competitions. 
Right. And I think that this is why, if you look at like the way that like alcohol ravaged Native American communities, I think things like TikTok and social media have ravaged Mormon communities. Same with MLMs yeah. and other scams. TikTok is the alcohol of, to, of Mormon people. Well, that and that this desire to fit in is what drove them to abandoning, I think, the more interesting and to my, my perspective, sophisticated aspects of their religion, but also to deny that they're different. So this is another really interesting mm -hmm. thing. If you look across the Mormon tradition, when I started like talking to more Mormons and more conservative Mormons about the way they think like the metaphysics of the universe actually works, right. there is more diversity within Mormon beliefs yeah. than there is within any other religion that I'm aware of. Like, but what's, like, what's extra interesting is there's both that diversity, but also this like quiet, like we don't talk about this diversity. Yeah, we don't talk about this. We don't talk well, about it. So so let's let's talk about one here, right? Like multiple mortal prohibitions, right? Okay, define what that is. So this is the, so there, okay. <laughs> so there's different theories on what it means or ways that the church relates to it, right? All right. Some people like the most mainstream perspective in the church is you exist before you're born like this is one prohibition you come to life right as a human and then you die and then comes the next part like whatever comes after that okay uh, some mormons though believe that you actually sort of get reincarnated or like the quote i was talking about earlier like that doesn't mean that your soul holistically gets reincarnated it may be like dissolved recombined reincarnated but that's a huge diversity in beliefs about what happens after death. There really are some Mormons that believe that that most people are going to get their own planet and become gods, like if they're good people and they follow Mormon teachings. My father, my brother, and I had been there at the hospital. As we walked out, my brother and I, who went to the car together, smiled and looked up in the mountains and remembered that mother had always said she loved the mountains so much that he and I laughed and guessed that... Uh, if in fact the celestial worlds are really flat, a sea of glass, she'll be eager to get away to build her own worlds and the first thing she'll build will be mountains. But a lot of Mormons don't believe that at all. They believe in like more of a traditional heaven. Like that's mm. a wild different in beliefs. Like you yeah. do not see, like you look at a, a belief system that has many different beliefs, right? Like a like huge diversity, like Hinduism. Yeah, but at least they agree broadly on what happens after you die. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, this is so interesting. And also like that over time, there's been a shift within the LDS church on like, what canon gets more emphasis, like, one person said that currently they feel like it's 35% Book of Mormon, 10% Old Testament and 25% New Testament. And then, you know, maybe like, 30% DNC plus Pearl of Great Price, which I hadn't even heard of before. But then like they they also thought that the Book of Mormon probably peaked in, in 1990 and, and New Testament is probably at its peak now. So these like shifts in emphasis too of like which 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 text is getting a lot of emphasis, which to me sounded a lot like Jewish tradition. It seems like in Jewish tradition, like different texts will get emphasis at different times as well. So I just, I just had no idea there was this level of dynamicness, right? This, this is insane. It has a lot in common with Jewish tradition. Yeah. Except it has a it's weird mix of Jewish and Catholic versions of how they determine. Right. Well, because like with, with the Jewish traditions, like you just, you know, like there are names for the different subsets of like, these guys believe this thing and these guys believe this thing and emphasize this text and blah, blah, blah. So you like know who's who. And the one who wins is the one who gets the most followers. Right. 
and then but with with catholicism it's like no we're like here's where we are you know this these this is the official stance but with, with the judaism it's like you have these you, you these different theologies like bubbling in the background right and then the one that wins is the one that covertly gets the most social acceptance within the community right and then that becomes what the current prophet will say or whatever yeah and that is genuinely fascinating well, but it's, and it's not even the current prophet with the lds church either and i remember seeing this with my friends in college who were mormon like everyone kind of has their favorite yeah their favorite and like people will wax nostalgic about in like different subgroups and subcultures within the lds church will have their like it was this guy he had he had it figured out and i thought that that's really interesting too that like that there is a disproportionate influence of, you know, the current head honcho essentially, but some groups still give the disproportionate emphasis to their favorite past one, which is super interesting. Yeah. So then this all becomes very interesting because when I first asked this question, are we actually just Mormons, right? <laughs> I came at it thinking like a Protestant. I'm like, I'll go to their texts and see the outlines of what beliefs make someone a Mormon right mm. oh yeah like what what metaphysical understanding of reality etc cetera, etc cetera, right right like what is the boundaries of their metaphysical understanding of reality where no. if you pass pa out of it you would know definitely no longer be a mormon anymore yeah <laughs> and what i found is that's not the way mormonism works nope and so well then it becomes a cultural question or rather what we think of mormonism and then i think whether or not we are mormons depends on what mormons think like it's, yeah. it's up to them because our beliefs aren't really changing other than the way that we relate to Mormonism as a cultural group. Yeah. Uh, so, but I think we we're the same way about Judaism. Like, yeah, you know, wh whether we consider our kids to be Jewish depends on what other Jews think. And so many Jews have been like, well, if you're matrilinearly Jewish, then you're Jewish. And so we're like, well, okay, then our kids are Jewish. But like, yeah, it's interesting that we, to a certain extent, define whether or not we fall into another religion's category of being part of them. It's like, well, you tell us, you know, like we're doing our thing over here, but you tell us. But hold on. Now this gets interesting to us. So then with our perspective, and, and again, when we're talking about this conservative moment, he goes, oh, your beliefs were divinely inspired. They, they came to you via revelation in the same way that, you know, Joseph Smith's beliefs came to him. And if you look at Joseph Smith, from our religion's traditions, right? So there's a video where we talk about like the demons we make for our kids. And I'm like, I just took those demons from books that were popular during my lifetime, but I still think that they are likely real representations of the way that the demonic force, the basilisk, as we call it, the, the evil side of the future police that tests us. We call it the basilisk after Rocco's basilisk. We recently came up with this, and I really like this as a term for the adversary, the basilisk. And the other word that we came up with recently was agents of providence, instead of using the word future police, which sounds a little too hokey for us. For you, Malcolm. I'm for me, future you, police you like forever. So, so we believe that we were influenced by modern day media, but that modern day media was inspired and to an extent constructed by God, the beings that exist in the future, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at the traditional complaints about Joseph Smith, hold on, I'm going to pull this up at the beginning here. 
uh, where, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, if you look at the, 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 the Mormon theology, it appears to borrow a lot from what were like at the time sci-fi books, like right. A View of the Hebrews, which was a book that said, well, maybe the Lost Tribe of Israel went to the United States and had some other things that align with Mormonism. And then A Voyage to the Moon, which was a popular sci-fi of the time. Some Mormon stuff actually has a lot of parallels to that. And so people will say, well, he was just copying, you know, fiction of his time. Whereas from our perspective, we'd say, yes, that's how God works. Yeah. God inspired Fired that fiction so that, so that it could not. influence Joseph Smith. Yep, yep. Or they'd say, no, he was just making this up, like reading things out of a hat that, that in order to, and it's like, yeah, that's what we did with our religion. I still think it's divinely inspired. I still <laughs> think that the God create, like, like motivated us through whatever means they could to create an entirely new, like, or we thought new religious structure that we now find has a lot of parallels with early Mormon, you know, theology, right? Right. So we look at Joseph Smith doing that. We're like, yeah, that doesn't mean it wasn't divinely inspired at all. In fact, to us, when we're determining whether or not a belief system was divinely inspired, we look at its efficacy, its spread, and the quality of life of its members. And from that, it is self-evident that Mormonism was one of the many belief systems that was divinely inspired. Like we think that Christianity, given the impact it's had on human history, given the importance it's had on us in, in developing the way we see the world and everything like that, that Christ was literally a divinely manipulated or inspired being. And as evidence of that is the effect that he has had on the world. So much so that if Mary says, well, I, you know, he was created... Who's to say the future police, like if they're really going to influence like one person's life, they're like, we're really investing in this person having a huge impact with the agents of, of Providence. If we're really investing on this one person having a big impact on human history, mm -hmm. who's to say they didn't actually fertilize his mother, right? Like that could have happened. And in which case that is God fertilizing his mother, right? So, <laughs> so in that instance, you know, we do believe an agent of, of the divine. Now, I think that's probably less likely than, than other other options that they could have used available to them. But for all of these things, they they do not have any discord with our belief system. So from us, yes, Joseph Smith was self-evidently a divinely inspired individual. And he was inspired by the same things that inspired us. And yet his revelation and the early church father's revelation was an incomplete revelation, just as he would say, you know, the the just the Protestant texts are an incomplete revelation. And so in that sense, yes, but we aren't like culturally Mormon and we don't relate to truth the way Mormons relate to truth. Although our family, people often think we're Mormons, people who aren't Mormons when they visit us. I remember one guy, we tried to sell our company to him. I don't know if you remember this. And, you know, we were walking with him and he goes, you know, I'd sell my company to you guys, but I really don't feel comfortable. You know, you guys are really a little too strong with this whole Mormon thing. <laughs> um, and we're like, what? Like, just so because maybe, we're like maybe uh, you're more Mormon than you think, Malcolm. Maybe I, mean, I don't know. I drink. I I hear a lot of Mormons do that too. You know, it might be. A t -t 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 -t. Um, I mean, you know, there's like the whole no caffeine thing, but then like everyone's, you know, drinking tons of like. I, I don't know, but but I so. will say that I now feel much more of a kinship with this religious tradition mm. than I did historically, and. One thing that I believe about Mormonism, you know, after studying it more, after looking at the 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 actual diversity of theological beliefs within Mormonism, mm -hmm. is I do not think that this centralized structure that that makes up the Mormon Church right now is long term stable. 
it's sort of like if all Mormons actually just hashed out their theological differences, they would realize that they're not the same religion. Well, um, but the, I think you're what you're missing here is that for the vast majority of LDS church members, it's not about the doctrine, it's about the lifestyle. And I think there's more agreement on that. Well, you know, so this is really interesting. They're part of the same cultural group. Yeah. And this cultural group. So within something like, you know, Judaism, when they are having theological differences, they'll debate it with like biblical texts and stuff like that. What's really interesting is when I look at Mormon theological debates, they mm -hmm. do not often go back to texts. They will relate to modern science, depending like whatever science was common during their time period. They will relate to philosophical constructs, very similar to like a metaphysics department at a university. Mm -hmm. They are very unbounded by text in the debates that I've read in like the comment sections on blogs that are supposed to be about conservative Mormons. And so in a way, you know, being part of this larger cultural group and saying, okay, we'll agree to just have those of us, we'll all participate in this larger cultural group, which is under yeah. this central hierarchy. But those of us that are smart, we're actually allowed to think very broadly around the way we relate to the divine, around the way we relate to the concept of well, soul. Don't you feel like you're kind of describing what what we describe as the index, where like you have a bunch of culturally aligned we kind of all want the same thing, things, groups who share a dating pool, who share a lot of cultural resources that work better at scale, who may have some different metaphysical views on how things work, but ultimately work better together and are just pooling and sharing these resources. I feel like that's very stable and I feel like it's a, a pretty smart solution. Yeah. So... Here's my take. So what would you say? Would you say we're Mormons or we're not Mormons? To what I said earlier, I think it depends on what various Mormons would say. To some Mormons, we're Mormons. To other Mormons, we're not Mormons. Yeah, well, I, I agree with that. And I, don't I think we're, think we're way more Mormon than many Mormons. I'll say that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'd be very interested to see where, where Mormonism ends up going. If, if they can maintain this centralized structure, that would be very interesting. If mm. they do end up dividing into different subgroups, that's where, and I think that this is the core reason we're not Mormon. It's the way we relate to truth is a bit different than the way Mormons relate to truth. And that we, we really care about this level of technical correctness in the same way that like even when we went into mormonism trying to look at their scripture oh, but like we want a hard sci-fi version of religion right but yeah. i also i don't think i think many and we've met them now i think many people in the lds church who consider themselves to be quite devout are taking the same approach well and that's why i think that if we look in a hundred years or in 200 yeah. years what becomes like if our religious system continues down the road it's going down and our kids are raised within that system if they met a mormon in 200 years because i also think that mormonism is changing from one of these technophilic factions and they're still around in a hundred years i think there would be almost no difference Mm. Uh, very, 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 very similar belief systems. Well, there you go. And, and, but I do not think that we are, whatever Mormonism is today and whatever we are today, I think are two slightly different things. However, I, I think that whatever we are today may actually be more appealing to some people who maybe historically would have been within the Mormon church if the church does go woke or something like that. And that's where I think that we may end up merging in the mm. near term. Mm. If well, like I saw one guy who had like donated to Biden is in line for church succession. 
So oh. they may go woke. The next guy going or they may go super conservative. It's hard to say. No, the next guy is very conservative. And so what happens? Does that mean the conservatives leave the movement? Maybe, maybe they don't. If they mm. do, then that's where I'm like, okay, that group of Mormons that has left the central church, maybe it's just our bristling with hierarchy. We would be very yeah. open to joining any aspect of the Mormon church that broke from the central hierarchy. But so long as they are under the central hierarchy, we just have too much of an instinctual distaste. In other words, we we bristle at the idea that there would be something like a conference Sunday and some random guy would sit up and talk about like, these are our values. This is our lifestyle. And we're like, mm -mm, no, no, don't speak for us. Don't speak for us. This is not OK. So, yeah, that yeah. that we can never square with, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But I think that one day we'll be Mormons. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I have been called an honorary Mormon for many years of my life, so. By I that feel... what she means, it's, is she really culturally identified with Mormons in college? <laughs> she never drunk or anything like that because all of her friends are Mormons. And I went to a Mormon preschool, too. Like, all yeah. of my, like, most, I guess, culturally formative and, like, comfortable periods of my life were in exclusively Mormon groups. So, until I met you, and then you're my new home. <laughs> So thank you for that. I love you. I love you, Simone. And yeah, it was so funny watching that movie because I was like, oh, this is just what we believe. Like a Saturday Morning Preacher. Is that what it's called? Saturday Warrior. Saturday Warrior. No, yeah, Saturday um, Warriors. Check it out if you're watching. I'll, I'll add a link to, it's on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing. There was a remake in the 90s. <laughs> really engaging. Zero population is the answer, my friend. Without it. The rest of us are doomed. But when I saw that, I kept being like, oh, that's just us. Like, that's the way we see kids. That's the way we see, the, you know, the future. That's the way. And it also really relates to our views around things like IDF in a way that differentiates us from Catholics. And that yeah. I believe that we are killing the kids. We do not. We need to do everything in our power to bring these kids to life. Yeah. We, you know, everything else is a kid who we have left. A kid that we have killed, a kid that I need to answer to one day, one of my kids that wouldn't be here with us, you know? Yeah, there's this one scene in which the, the parents are in the hospital three months pregnant and like the, the pregnancy is kind of iffy and the mother's kind of, you know, like in a lot of pain and who knows what's going to happen. And like the unborn girl is watching in the hospital room kind of like, oh, like, is everything going to be okay? And she's like this cute little girl and you're like, no, this pregnancy has to go through. So it's, yeah, they really, you know, they tug at your heartstrings despite it being dated and cheesy. And I hate musicals and it's a musical. I'm telling you, man, I cried like a well, I mean, baby. Every, every kid we don't bring into our family is someone that we have erased from the timeline. Yeah, well, this this really, if if someone struggles to understand what we mean when we say that, it might help to watch this musical well, okay. because of that. So there's this anime I really like. Okay. Um, <laughs> it comes uh, back to anime every hold on, hold time. On. Well, anyway, I'll add it in, in in editing. It's called Shakugana no Shana. But it, it's an anime where it represents sort of their soul and their existence. Hmm. And the the bad guys in this anime they will wipe out, they eat these people's existence. Yeah. So they wipe out this flame. And, and when the flame goes out, nobody suffers. Like the individual doesn't suffer. The people around them don't suffer because they are erased from history. Yeah, anti-medalist goal. Yes. They are erased from ever existing. Mm. And when you watch this, it's heart-wrenching to watch this happen to people because to me, this is so much worse than just killing someone. Yeah, the lost potential breaks our the, hearts. The, the, 
That kid. But why? They are replacements of people who had their existence consumed by denizens of the Crimson World. They're torches. They're replacements? What are you talking about? This world's balance would be disrupted if they disappeared too suddenly. Therefore, replacements for those people are provided to soften the impact. They're temporary. But then you're saying we're alive? No. The real you has had its existence consumed and is no longer living. Right now, you're nothing but residue. <gasps> I... I don't exist anymore. Well, yeah, and this is what we think. A, a moral action equivalent to wiping out one of these fires that destroys a person's soul and they never exist within a timeline. Mm. This is what we think is happening when we don't bring a kid into this world that we otherwise could have. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Absolutely. We'll do a longer video on when we think life begins and how we can think of that in the near future. But we actually are going to chat with a uh, Catholic uh, father about this first because we want to better understand the Catholic perspective. Yep. All right. Love you to death. Love you too, gorgeous. <laughs>